Have you heard the good news? Tenlo has been acquired by Modop, an award-winning, full-service digital marketing and communications agency. That means B2B and B2C companies can take advantage of a wide range of marketing services. This includes brand strategy, relations, and a whole lot more. To learn all about Modop services, go to modop.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Leader Generation, brought to you by Modop. I'm your host, Tessa Berg, and today my guest is Kathy McPhillips. She's the Chief Growth Officer at Marketing AI Institute. Kathy, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for doing this. So we are live here at the Maycon Conference. Did I say that correctly? You did. So we are sitting across from each other right now. So we're going to try to not look up at each other and look down at the camera. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So for those of you listening, it's probably also going to feel a lot more like a conversation because we're together. And that is going to be a part of what we talk about today is Kathy's career has focused on building communities, getting people to events, leveraging the entire calendar year to start to drive that traffic and interest and the relationships that we know help with conversion and creating a sense of um, not just community, but sort of like a following and ownership around your product, service, and brand. So Kathy, thanks so much for being the guest. We're going to jump right into it. First, tell us a little bit um, about your background and career and and what brought you to Macon. So I have a degree in journalism from Ohio University, and I knew I wanted to get in marketing in some capacity. I love art. I love math and marketing advertising seemed like a real good balance of that. So I started out of college with two agencies in Cleveland. And in my second agency, I decided to go off and do my own thing for a while. So for about 13 years, I had my own consulting business where I focused on restaurant marketing, which because that was one of my first clients. And I kind of found my niche with that. So restaurant service sector, and then just people in the community that I knew just asked me to help them with some things. And then I met a man named Joe Polizzi on Twitter, and he was also here in Cleveland. He still is in Cleveland and at the Content Marketing Institute. So I was there for about nine years. And about 15 months ago, I went came over here to the Marketing AI Institute, which is focused on helping marketers leverage the power of artificial intelligence to help them do their jobs better and help them focus on things they really love. So to give people a sense of the size communities you've built, where did content marketing world start and how many years did it take to get it to like a larger number, a significant community number? Yeah, so I started in 2012, and I honestly don't remember the size of it when I started, but it was smaller, obviously. And then when I left in 2021, mid-pandemic, we were over a quarter of a million people in various networks. So altogether, there were over half a million, but I'm sure there was a lot of duplication between the communities. But our Twitter community, which was the strongest, I think we were at 300,000 something. So it it got pretty big. And obviously, everyone wasn't super active, but we did have a very big segment of the of the audience who are now, I would say some of them are best friends and, they ha- and they're living a- across the world from each other. That's amazing. So one of the things that we were talking about is, you know, when you build this community, how many of them actually then translate into an event? So we have clients who are doing sales conferences or who partner with their distributors and try and get a bunch of their potential customers to come in to see the demo of their products, whether it's a pipe or a widget or an ingredient or food. So what did that translation look like for you of the number of people in the community versus how many people actually came uh, to the conference? 
So to put it in perspective, if we had 300,000 people on Twitter that were following us, 4,000 came to the event. So oh, wow. it was a small, a small percentage, but a meaningful percentage. Um, and it was the right people. It was the people that, you know, you can't expect every single person in your community to convert to a sale, to convert to an event attendance, to convert to anything. Some of them just might read an article. Some of them might not even read anything. They're just, they like you in your community and they just are just inactive. And you just need to realize that, that that's just a, probably the majority of your folks, but you're going to have those people that are going to do anything you you put out there. They're going to follow, they're going to like, they're going to buy. Yeah, I would say 4,000 is a awesome number for an event. <laughs> so but I think that's a great way to frame it for listeners that it was 300,000 people. And the revenue you generate though from 4,000 is incredibly significant for the event itself. For sure. So then how do you maintain that momentum so that, you know, you're keeping those who are engaged, not engaged? Did you see a lot of people come back year after year to that event? Yeah, I think one thing that we did really well um, as a team, and it was always certainly wasn't me, was we made sure they felt valuable. We had a wall of fame. So if you came back every year, if you were, you know, seven, eight, nine year attendees, you got your name on a wall and people wanted their name on the wall. You know, it was just real fun and easy things to do. A lot of times community members would take over. They would say, could we hold a, a networking event at a brewery? And and what could we do to help you? You know, it was more about, we didn't even need to be involved. Our community was just happening without us. <clears throat> so that was really exciting. I think just always providing value for them and making sure that what, what we're giving them is the ability to network with each other and the ability to, we want to enable them to, want to be there they to find things that we're doing so i think just you know enabling them to have resources enabling them to use us to ask us for questions to talk to each other so we are at macon and right now <laughs> some things are being cleaned up in the background which is fine but tell us a little bit about how you're taking some of those learnings from content marketing world and that community and applying them to something you know still in the marketing realm but a different audience potentially, totally new people, a different reason for joining a community, which is AI and marketing. So this is new to me. And I think what I like best about this community right now is that I'm the target audience for our company. You know, it's a marketer that has been around for a little while or or not. I mean, there are a lot of, you know, a lot of very young new marketers in our community as well, which is wonderful. But there are a lot of marketers who are like, okay, I've been around for a while. I know how to do digital marketing. I know how to do this. I'm learning all that. What's this AI thing and why does it matter to me? So my pitch to this community is we had to figure this out together. And there's so many things that we're learning or testing. You know, if I use a tool and I love it, I want you to use it too. Because even if we're competitors, you're not me. So we're not going to do the exact same thing. But if I'm finding value in something, it's saving me time. It's saving me resources. It's saving me money. Why would I not tell you about it? And I want, and that's what I love about communities is that, you know, when I was at CMI, when I'm here at the Institute, it's like a lot of the people that we're in the community with, we're, comp- we're competitors, but like, who cares? That's what a community really is about. It's about sharing your knowledge, sharing your, your challenges, but sharing your wins and wanting to celebrate with each other. And it's just like, it sounds really cheesy, but when you build that community with, with each other, it's like, you're get excited. You, and it, and that's what you want to create because when you, then when you want to go have them do something else with you, they're more likely to, because they want to support you because you've been so supportive of them. Yeah, no, it is really powerful. And I will say being here in person with some of the people that you have already started to build community with has been an amazing experience. No one's coming in like super cold, 
everyone on the first day, there were some workshops where we actually sat down and looked at our challenges as marketers and applied a framework to how we can use AI to address those challenges. But I know the decision to be in person was a big one. And last year, we actually did a couple podcasts on virtual events. Tell us a little bit about why you decided and what that process looked like to get everyone here in person. Well, I think the process was is that by 2022, none of us wanted to be on an in a virtual event. We really wanted to be together. Um, and we knew that this was going to be a smaller event than we, we hoped for. We were hoping for, you know, three, four, 500. And we're, we're, we're about 250, and which is great. You know, we're just so happy that we're together. And we just said, we don't want to do a virtual event again. People don't want to do a virtual event again. And we just we want to be together. And we're prepared to just have a smaller event and a more intimate event. But I love it because... Yeah. There are people we haven't seen in two years. There are people I've been with the company 15 months and there are people I met in my first month online that I've never seen in person before. And it's just like been that feeling of like, oh my gosh, you know, it's just been so wonderful to see people. And it's just been really nice. But so we did talk about doing a hybrid event. So for anyone on your, you know, that's watching or listening that you know that, do we do a hybrid event? Do we do it in person? Do we ever do a virtual? Hybrid events are basically doing two events. Mm-hmm. So we decided not to do a hybrid event because one, money, you know, it's expensive to hold events, whether it's virtual or in person. And we just really wanted to focus on the in-person experience and all of us being together again. Yes. And I, that is a tough decision. And I think a subject that came up last year when we talked about virtual events one of our guests said they think they're going to do the event virtual all the time because it did save some money right? and they were able to produce content. But something I'm feeling while I'm at this conference is I'm going to go back to my business and I'm going to talk about this and I'm going to get more people here. And I will say out of all the virtual events I attended last year, I didn't bring more people. Like there really is something. Right powerful and more connecting about being in person. So how can you still get the benefit at virtual event of that, all that content being created? And are you doing that here? Are you creating content while this event is going on that you can use Mm -hmm. to kind of tee up next year? Yep. We have um, people in every single room pulling quotes from speakers, taking photos. We we use, we use photos. We've used the photos from 2019 for three years because (laughs) we've been preparing for this in-person event. So we have the photographer. I'm like, get me lots of pictures because I use them in everything that we're doing. And we want to have those resources, but you know, we're using the content from the sessions. We're using from the keynotes, photos from the event, attendee stories, you know, things when I'm talking to people, we use all of that content in blog posts, in our promotions for the event, on social media, looking back at, you know, in a month, I'm going to be like, I miss everybody. Let's take a minute and talk about the event. And here's some things that we, you know, now that we've had a minute to process things, here's some things we learned. So, and some of the conversations, you know, we were at our networking events or just talking to people passing in the hall and we hear their pain points, we hear their challenges and what they're looking for. And they ask a question and I'll go over to Mike Caput, our chief content officer. And I'm like, here's 10 blog post ideas. So just having those conversations, it's like, we're just building up this whole library of here's all these things. Like here's our calendar for the next 12 months. We, we figure that out now because we, now we're seeing what people need, what they want, what they're like, Oh my gosh, this session was, session was the best session. I wish you talked more about this. So this gives us the opportunity to listen and give our customers what they need. Yeah. And I'll also say that you're, you know, hosting this event in Cleveland, which is both of our hometown, but for people traveling in, it is more affordable. Like, 
food here is cheaper. Yeah. Hotel rooms are cheaper. So if you're going to come to an event and you want to start leading your company through the digital transformation process, Macon is the perfect event. <laughs> it's a really good event. I came in 2019 as an attendee and I left there and I really did it because I was supporting Paul, but I left there and I was like, I need all of this stuff right now. Like it just was, it's so valuable. And once you come to Macon, this is not a Macon pitch, but it kind of is, but it just kind of clicks, get past the word artificial intelligence and just learn about doing your job smarter and yeah. learn about how a technology can help you focus on things you really love. Like I don't love versioning out 17 versions of, of an ad, or I don't like writing pages and pages and pages of social posts. I can have technology help me with that. And then I can focus on things like spending hours on the phone, talking to customers and using my time just in a better way, being more creative, being more strategic and just all that minutiae, the data driven stuff, the repetitive stuff. But there are tools just to help you do that. I think one of the areas I'm most excited about applying AI and marketing is really on the reporting side, mm-hmm. like measuring the stuff we do can take so long. And what that frees you up to do is then be more creative. Right. And I feel like that's what we're all craving as marketers. It's what got us into marketing is the idea generation. And I feel like to your point, I've seen a lot of light bulbs go off at the same time. I'm like, why aren't more people here? Like, where is that sense of urgency that we need to be leveling up and be more creative, especially in a time when we're facing inflation and lots of substitutes and there's a lot of brand abandonment? Like now I feel like is the time to invest in tools that open up that time space to be creative. What is some of the feedback that you're hearing of people making that in-person trip and getting to such an important conference? Um, I think right now it's just a hard time all around. And we we knew what we were getting ourselves into. We knew we were in an uphill battle, but I think we got the right people here. And I think this goes back to community. There are people here that are like, we are all in. We are we are so excited for next week. We are so excited to get back to the office. We brought our team of five people. We we're all here. And I'm like, okay, you're who I'm going to stay in touch with for the next 12 months. And you're the person I'm going to, I want to elevate you. So not, I mean, my big thing is I want to help you. Of course, we're in a business, so we need to do things that we're going to make some money off of, but that can't be where I start. Where mm-hmm. I start is I want to build these people and help them, enable them to do this themselves, enable them to find the right technologies, kind of do like a matchmaking thing where like, problem, I know who you can call. Like, let me give you all these free resources because then in 12 months, they're going to be like, okay, we got to go back because I want to see what else is new. So the end goal shouldn't always be the sale nurturing the relationships for the next 12 months is what I'm going to focus on because I want people to succeed and I don't want to ask them for something. I want to give them something. And I think that's the business model that we're doing is like, we just want to build this thriving community of folks who are doing it. And I want to find those people that can help my community grow because they're seeing it work. Yeah. I think that is such an important point that it has to start with that nurturing first and that real relationship building before you go in for the sale. So that is all the time that we have. Kathy, thank you so much for being our guest. And I think everyone, if you're planning a sales event, if you're trying to get more customers coming back to your demos for your products, I hope you've found some great ideas to make the most of that event, to generate content and to do things every day of the year to keep that community building and then get them to your in-person event for those real connections. Kathy, if people want to reach out to you or find you, where can they find you? 
Um, I'm on LinkedIn every day for way too long. Just Kathy McPhillips on LinkedIn. See McPhillips on Twitter. Those are probably the two best places. And our website is marketingaiinstitute.com. If you're doing an event and you have questions, please ask because I'm more than willing to share anything I know. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us. And if you want to listen to more podcasts, visit tenlo.com. Click on podcasts. We'll soon be going over the ModOp website. And that's at modop.com. Never miss an episode of Leader Generation from ModOp. Find us in all your favorite podcast venues.